0: Michigan Short Track Racing Authority is Horsepower Happening. Curtis Roberts,
1: welcome to Horsepower Happening. The Northport, Florida driver, Danny Sams III, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Travis Stumler, welcome to Horsepower Happening.
0: Steve Irwin, welcome to Horsepower Happening, my friend.
1: Director of Race Operations for
2: the ASA Stars National Tour, Joe Ballish, welcome. Over
0: 50 years of industry experience from behind the wheel to behind the microphone. Here comes Stamp On to turn three
1: and four. Stamp On to the lip, Stamp off sideways, Greg Dalman wins. Yeah,
2: guys, hold. Wholesale uh, right side tire changes, that, that seems to be the decision, all down
0: mode. Exclusive interviews every week hear from drivers, track owners, series promoters, and so much more.
2: You know, after about eight hours, a month of medical here, they uh, they were pretty adamant about me staying out of the car for quite a while. It'll be,
3: it'll be my first stab at driving a race car that I haven't prepared from end to end, that I'm
2: not calling the shots on, all of that, all at once.
0: Plus, local news, analysis, and opinions you didn't ask for.
2: She is not going to have any excuses. That is some of the best equipment
1: there at Antecamp Racing that money can buy. This point's funded massive these races are massive these are some of the most high-paying races in the country
0: from the north side towing of st john's studio presented by cnt services here are zach heiser and rich franz
1: good evening race fans and welcome into another edition of horsepower happenings a lot going on actually if you can believe it uh, we've got a big preview show for you tonight and we'll talk to a first-time guest and a guy who hasn't been on the show in a minute but first Here's what's happening in a Motor City Minute. The Charlotte Roval was on tap for the NASCAR Series over the weekend. How about A.J. Allmendinger? Can you believe this? The Dinger's first Cup Series win came at not his first ever, but finally broke through at the Roval. He, we know he's a road course ace, so the Dinger finally getting it done in the Cup Series at the Roval. And then Sam Mayer, you remember that guy. He was, uh, he's been coming through the ranks quickly. He picks up the NASCAR Xfinity Series win. War for, uh, for Sam Mayer and uh, is he with Junior Motorsports I think is he a Junior Motorsports driver maybe I don't know yeah I think so might have spoke out of tune there Bobby Pierce continued his domination this season with series wins 13 and 14 with the uh, World of Outlaws case construction late model series Friday he picked up the Hoosier Dirt Classic at Brownstown Speedway before moving on to Saturday at the Falls Frenzy at Fairbury Speedway. He made it a $25,000 weekend heading into the final two events at Rome and Sonoya Speedways in Georgia before the Dirt Track World Finals in a couple of weeks at Charlotte. Dakota Armstrong captured the 8th annual Tony Elliott Classic at Anderson on Saturday, holding off Taylor Ferns and Tyler Rohrig, who completed the podium. It was Armstrong's first ever 500 sprint, co- uh, sprint Car Tour win. Those things and so much more happening tonight on Horsepower Happenings. Good evening. Welcome in. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France joins me from across the way. Good evening, sir. How you doing? That's pretty cool. When this late in the year, we're both at a
2: separate racetrack, yeah, right? Yeah,
1: I know. We had an opportunity to be in separate places on Saturday. I don't know how things went for you in Toledo, but things were cold and wet for me at Waynesfield. We'll talk about that coming up in just a minute. It was not that way at Toledo. We had the sun out uh for most of the afternoon nice it it was breezy but uh you know you don't notice the breeze when you're in the tower of course not yeah you were nice and warm up there it's those diehard race fans that uh that we really need to shout out for this weekend
2: Yeah, yeah and we had a great crowd great crowd at toledo couldn't believe it uh even the
1: grandstands down into turns one and two were mostly full really
4: yeah, good
1: yeah. stuff. Good stuff. Well, tell me about it. Outlaw Super Late Models returned to Toledo in a non-Glass City 200 style way. Plus, the Arts National Tour Championship. Uh, pretty, pretty good show on paper on Saturday. How things go? Yeah, it was pretty cool. You know,
2: we we talked before, Zach. It's not the car count; it's how they race, right? Um, didn't have a lot of outlaws. We had had eleven on the pre-registered list. Ten showed up and uh, started out the day. Connor Zabozian set fast time. And uh so he looked like he was he was a couple tenths faster than the field. So it looks like he was gonna be uh the guy to beat. Uh, but that was before about a little before halfway through the race going into turn number one. Uh Zabozian looked to the outside of Trevor Barry. Barry got a little bit loose with his right rear. Zabozian got into him with his left rear. They got damaged. They both went to the tails. The ended up retiring because the whole front end flipped over the windshield. Uh, It all came loose, so ending his day. Uh, Jimmy Thiel, who had retired, his son, uh, Austin Thiel, was driving in a 09 machine for the last couple of years, Uh, came out of retirement, started on the pole, and led most of the race, but it came down to about 15 laps to go on a restart. And uh, on the outside, it was Trevor Barry, and Barry gets the run on the high side drives away and Trevor Barry picks up his second win in a row at Toledo uh, in the same in the Bob, same Bobby Blount car different number on the side this time, the number five car uh, drove away and um, you know he, he was a little bummed out and, and a little dejected about what happened with him and Connor down there in turn one and said, yeah I, did, I don't drive like that. I didn't mean it. but it was a racing deal, right? It wasn't anything yeah. intentional. it just happened. So, uh, but Trevor Berry picks up his second consecutive win. His last one, of course, we all remember the 2022 Glass City 200 Outlaw race for Trevor Berry. So, um, two in a row for Trevor at Toledo.
1: How about that guy, an old, beat up half mile racetracks? not that Toledo's really beat up, but right, he got the job done at Winchester a few weeks ago at Labor Day weekend in the Modified. And so now coming to the Outlaw at Toledo and getting the job done. He likes those old, big racetracks, doesn't he? Yeah. And what, and what, And he had a handful along with most of the rest of the field. Uh, I don't
2: think that they were, a lot of guys didn't put tires on. Uh, Jimmy Thiel, the zero nine car who led most of the laps from the pole uh, had tires that were three years old on his car, I think. Oh my goodness. Uh, Yes. They, yeah, they, 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 this was not a high investment outlaw show. Yeah, I
1: guess not. uh,
2: So he was, he, he was hanging on. And of course, sooner or later, those things were, uh, yeah were going to start going away. But uh, no, it was pretty good. They were all, every, almost everybody was loose, 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 loose. Yeah, I bet. And and it probably probably that was the cool weather, cool temps, uh, no heat in the racetrack. They were the first ones out of the gate to run uh, in, early in the afternoon, you know, 1.30. Sure. So it was still cool. It was windy. It was spitting on and off rain while the sun was out.
1: Figure um, that out, but, huh?
2: Yeah, but never, but never really rained that bad. It was it ne- it never lost the racetrack or anything like that. Good. It was just just more of an annoyance. But uh, Trevor Barry doing a nice job
1: picking up the win. How about the Arkham Menard Series, Rich? The championship was decided, I think, two weeks before this event here at Toledo Speedway. Uh, but that didn't change the way things raced. I don't think, unless maybe it picked up the intensity. How was the Arkham Menard Series? Well, that was a little more predictable, right? Uh, we knew. We knew that Jesse Love was the
2: 2023 Arkham Series champion coming into the event. He could not be beaten. And we knew that uh, William Sawalich was the 2023 Arkham Menards East Series champion coming in. What was not settled was the owner's championship between Venturini Motorsports, uh, that's the owner of Love's number 20, uh, and Joe Gibbs Racing, the 18 of William Sawalich. Those spots could have changed. Uh, so started out, Jesse Love, Fast qualifier on the afternoon, uh, started from the pole, took off. Ran, he, he led about 40 laps or so. As uh, soon as William Soalich pressured him, let him go. Just let him go, moved up. All right. And just followed him the rest of the way. Uh, they came to the stage break after lap 75. Both of them came down pit road. They came back out for the next 50 laps. Soalich led all 50 of them. Love Led uh, or ran second to him, went back down pit road for the last stage uh, after another 75 laps, uh, after 50 laps to run the 75. And uh, Jesse Love restarted on the outside, took the lead on the restart. And about halfway in, Sawalich came up to pressure again. Jesse Love's pulls out of the way. Basically, team orders. Right. Big picture. Yep. Big picture. Sawalich brings home the win. Jesse Love's second. Uh, not too far back, just cruising, and so Jesse Love brings home the owner brings home the owner's championship for Venturini Motorsports. Yep, and his own championship. So Wallach picks up his another win at Toledo. Uh, he did it at the Glass City 200 last year. Uh, so you know that that's kind of how
1: we thought it was going to work out all day, and it was really for the most part just amongst those two all day long. Yeah, for sure. And uh, pretty cool. Charles Crawl posted this on his personal Facebook page. Uh, Jesse Love goes from being the youngest Arkham Menard series. I believe it was East champion or maybe West champion to now the youngest Arkham Menard series uh, overall champion. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Jesse Love was a two-time
2: Arkham Menards West champion in the past. Um you know, then he came over here because what are you going to do out West too much? Right. right You're not, right. To, you, you need to come back here. So now he's, now he's out of that ride. What a way to end it. Right. Um, Jesse love is moving up to bigger and better things. He doesn't know where he's going, but he knows
1: he knows it's not going to be in the Arkham Menard series. All right. Well, it's going to be somewhere. You don't, you don't, you don't typically run the way that Je- Jesse love ran and end up outside of a ride. Uh, so, He'll end up somewhere. He'll be fine. Saturday for me, I was uh, a hop, skip, and a jump away from Toledo Speedway. I was in the same state as you were, Rich, uh, but you were in the metropolis known as Toledo, Ohio. And I was in the middle of a cornfield, quite literally. They call it the Field of Speed. Waynesfield Raceway Park was home to the Great Lakes Super Sprints and NRA Sprint Invaders season finale uh, for 2023, and Rich, it was a good one, a miserable start to the afternoon, cloudy, windy, pockets of sunshine, pockets of rain, we had all of it in the course of about four hours from the time I got there at 1.30 until it was time to race, we had everything, uh, and, uh, Larry Boos, who we're going to see at Winchester Speedway coming up here this weekend, he's the promoter at Waynesfield as well. And, uh, he and his crew had that racetrack ready to handle the rain, ready to go when it came time. 31 Great Lakes Super Sprint Series cars on the property alongside 23 or 24 USAC Midwest uh, midgets and a great show on tap for the fans. At Waynesfield Raceway Park Saturday. Qualifying started out with uh, a pretty familiar face at the top of the field. If you're used to the NRA Sprint Invaders, Bradner, Ohio's Nate Dussel. Went 11.027 to set quick time. But Rich, how about this? Ryan Rule unloaded in his After Hours Motorsports number 16. It was his car, uh, but After Hours Motorsports coming on to help him, so... Coldwater Michigan's Ryan Rule second quick with an eleven one five three, and he would be strong all evening long. Heat race wins went to Devin Doby, uh, Kobe Allison, Luke Griffith with Ryan Rule right behind him. Uh, Ryan Turner picking up the heat race wins. Last chance qualifier went to Nick Sheridan making his second ever start in the United States. The Mount Bridges, Ontario, Canada driver. A lot of Canada representative on Saturday uh, at uh, Waynesfield. 20 cars the field, 25 laps the distance for the Great Lakes Super Sprints. Very interesting format, and I applaud the Waynesfield uh, uh, people, Larry and everybody, for doing this. Rich, it went hot laps for the Great Lakes Super Sprints, hot laps, timed hot laps for the Midgets, qualifying for the Great Lakes Super Sprints, hot laps for uh, the... Let me see here. No, I'm sorry. Qualifying for the Great Lakes Super Sprints, opening ceremonies... Heat races for the Great Lakes Super Sprints, heat races for the USAC Midgets, B main for the Great Lakes Super Sprints, A main for the USAC Midgets, A main for the Great Lakes Super Sprints with a dirt car UMP modified hot lap session somewhere in between there to kind of help break up break things up. They put the stars of the program, and no disrespect to late model or to uh, modifieds or trucks or front wheel drive compacts, but they put the meat of the show at the beginning. Uh, to get fans who were there just for that out of the cold and out of the wet. So thumbs up to the Waynesfield Raceway Park folks for doing that. Anyhow, 25 laps the distance for 20 cars that were the field. It was Luke Griffith and Phil Gressman who led the field to the green flag and problems big and problems early for Luke Griffith. uh, Just six laps into the event, Rich. High side and handsome Luke Griffith caught the rut in turn one and flipped wildly through turns one and two. He was okay, but his car was not, so a tough end to the 2023 season for Griffith. All that did was hand things over to the Ohio Gasman, Phil Gressman. Nobody had anything for him. Kobe Allison, Nate Dussel couldn't touch him, but Nate Dussel and Max Stambaugh were in a tussle for that third spot for quite some time, exchanging slide jobs, blocking the slider line, going at it. Nate Dussel would get the best of Stambaugh for that third spot. Kobe Allison would hold on for second. Stambaugh held on for fourth. Ryan Turner fifth. Ryan Rule ended up sixth. Uh, Casey Jurterzak in 7th, 8th went to Devin Dobie, TJ Michael ninth, and Nick Sheridan, who came from the B-Main, up 7 spots, your a Racing Tire Hard Charger in that number uh, 45, finished in 10th to put a cap on the 2023 season, of course. Uh, for the NRA Sprint Invaders, Jared Horseman was already crowned the champion back at Eldora, but he was recognized down in Victory Lane. And Rich, I don't know whether to feel ashamed or to feel like I accomplished something, But I got out of that press box in record time, and it was a good thing, too, because the rains came while Phil Gressman was still in victory lane. And uh, I don't know if Waynesfield was able to get the rest of that program in because it was cold, it was wet, it was windy. I hightailed it for the pickup truck and got the heck out of Dodge. (laughs) So, But, again, uh, first time ever to Waynesfield, Rich. Cool little facility, literally in the middle of nowhere, but you got to go sometime it is a very very awesome racetrack high banked bull ring lot of character and uh, really you got to see the best of the race car drivers on Saturday
2: yeah we were pretty fortunate we got done in the daylight and it was dry so it whatever hit you guys was had to have been you know at least a an hour or an
1: hour and a half later than, than okay. us, probably all right is well what, is what I'm guessing it was, a good, it was a good weekend. Um, so, caps off to the Waynesfield folks. They did a great job. Uh, Rich, other things happening this weekend. Let's go over it quickly. Uh, Springport Mid Michigan Speedway, they fought the weather challenges as well, but they were able to get another edition of the Michigan Cup in, and Outlaw Super Late Models were on the schedule for Sunday as well, and it was a little bit dramatic. I don't know if you saw the videos, but uh, it didn't come easy for Brian Bergacre, did it? No,
2: it didn't. I, I didn't get to watch all the videos because I was working today in, in, in the office. But uh, Brian Bergacre, uh, pretty cool, that Middleville Mafia. They've been fast all year, had some bad luck, uh, had a tore-up race car, ha- had some mechanical issues w- where they couldn't run. But, uh, but when, when they get that car right, it's hard to beat that 12 machine, and nobody could do it this weekend uh, at Springport. Brian Bergacre picking up the Outlaw Super Late Model. And to go with that, kind of over and over again, Jeff Gannis wins the late model sportsman race. Um, Probably not really surprising.
1: Yeah, and Gannis was right there in that outlaw race too, but just couldn't close the deal. Gannis, uh, late model sportsman winner, kind of waxed the field, if you will. I don't know if you want to say it that aggressively, but he was was strong. Tom Rutherford picking up the A-class modified division win. Uh, so a, a good job by Tom. And then, uh, Rich, this is always, to me, the most fun. You can have A, B, and C of your other divisions, but street stocks and compacts, when you get into A, B, and Cs, man, those features are always a lot of fun. Yeah,
2: and I did see account. They had E features for the port stocks. E, a, B, Unreal. C D, and E.
1: Right? <laughs> oh, my goodness.
2: You do the math. I don't want to know how many cars were there, but that's what it tells me. And there had to have a 100 port stocks, right?
1: Well, they said uh, this is according to uh, front row or uh, top row racing videos. They put up a count of 209 cars on the property, and I don't think that included mini wedges. So that's 209 big cars on the big track, Rich. That's a lot of race cars. It was. And, uh, and Jeff Town picked
2: up the street stock uh, A feature win as well. And then we're taking a little beating here, Zach. We might have to have a company meeting.
1: I know. So, I saw this. I saw I know.
2: it. We're starting to take a beating uh, for the Port Stocks. Matthew Elsie Jr., uh, he, he this is not the first time he's won in the last week or two. I know. Um, he picks up the win at at, uh, at Springport, Mich- Michigan Speedway, and we're taking a beating. He says, you need to have this boy on. He's just whipping everybody's tail. <laughs> I'll tell you what I
1: did. I added him on Facebook, so he's on our radar. How's that?
2: He's on our
1: radar. That's one step closer, right? All right, Rich. Well, yeah, that was pretty. So he's on our radar, but this guy wasn't on our radar until after this weekend. uh, We both kind of looked at each other and said, man, Tom Rutherford, I've heard that name, but. Gosh, darn it, I don't think. And then we went back and looked, and yeah, we should have heard this name. A pretty good season here in 2023, and uh, he was the A-Division winner on Sunday at Springport Mid Michigan Speedway for Michigan Cup, and we welcome in on first-time guest, Tom Rutherford. Welcome to Horsepower Happenings.
4: Hey, thanks, guys. Yeah, I appreciate you having me.
1: Well, Tom, uh, you know, (laughs) we put you out there on Facebook and said that we were going to have you on, and people said, great choice, can't wait to hear this. Um so I guess let's before we even dive into Springport and and dive into what unfolded on Sunday at Michigan Cup let's get a little preview or a little little background on you right I see that you race street stocks and modifieds and you got a nice little family too man just tell us a little background about yourself how you got into this sport and and what has led you now to this great division of modified racing
4: Yeah um yeah I just grew up in it um my dad, my dad dibbled in it very little bit. Um, actually, my mom's dad, uh, kind of was a little bit in the ownership of it, was into it. My dad's dad owned a car, raced a little bit, and it was just family. You know, they all was just interested in it. So once I was born, my dad obviously couldn't afford it. So he bailed out. And, but for as long as I could remember, he just took me to Kalamazoo Speedway every weekend. Um, I was there, we went and watched my favorite guy, Mike Vincurntac. Um, so I did that my whole life, you know, up until about 13, we got an idea, my older cousin, Andrew, who I still race with today. And, um, he, he started racing at 14 at Galesburg. So, my dad looked at me and said, "You want to do it?" I said, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> so hell yeah, I want to do it. Hell <laughs> so, you know, yeah. So yeah, fourteen. We went mini stock racing at Galesburg. Um, did it for for a few years. You know, we did it on a real low budget. And my main thing was, I just wanted to get to sixteen to where I could go to Kalamazoo because that was that's what I knew. That's what I watched. That's where I wanted to be. So probably jumped a little big I went straight to limited late models, so um it was it was a big jump but um I felt I could do it and dad trusted me so took a little bit first year was a little slow and then you know I think the second year we ended up winning uh, their big race the super shoe tune-up and at that time I was in high school still working for Tim Curry at finish line fabricating being, I mean, uh, he actually lived at the end of my dad's road <laughs> and, um, his, uh, his wife who, former wife, I should say, God bless her soul just passed away was actually my school bus driver. Um, just talked me into wow. going down there and talking to Tim and, uh, he actually gave me a job. So, so uh, what, but, what,
1: what year was it that you yeah. and dad decided you were going racing together?
4: When that
1: would have been two thousand and two, I believe two thousand one, two thousand two, right in
4: there. So that's when I first started. So yeah. let me
1: let me put that into perspective. Uh, congratulations on twenty years of racing. <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. Make me feel old. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, well,
1: but you know yeah. that's how quick it happens in this sport. So let's let's look at this a little yeah. bit, right? Twenty years ago, you and Dad say, "Let's do this. We think we can do this." And now you're yep. you're a force to be reckoned with in one of the most competitive competitive divisions uh, that we have, not only in Michigan, but I mean, Rich, I think you'd agree in the region. These modifieds, if they're sanctioned by Midwest or if they're those style of modifieds, my God, you unloaded any of these racetracks, and you have to be on point if you're going to think about going to Victory Lane.
4: Yeah, yeah, it's so tough and you feel feel like you got to race so much and that's where the hardest part is for us right now. Um, have a young family and just the amount of money it takes to do right now. And I have great car owners with Donna and Ronnie. Um, we do what we can, you know, on our budget and we want to race a lot. And I think you can learn so much being there every week, but we, we do what we can and, you know, as not racing as many times as we can, I, felt like we did we did do good and definitely this weekend we did really good but um yeah i feel like more races we can do um i feel we have a lot to gain yet so hopefully maybe next year we can we can bump that number up of races we do you know a little more help we get and um maybe we can bust off a few more bigger wins so so tom let's,
2: you, you brought it up take me through your weekend man i know Springport, just like everybody else, uh, kind of struggled with the weather, and they had to kind of go when they could go. Um, kind of take me through your weekend, through qualifying, and, and and how everything went for you.
4: Yeah, we, you know, we've run there, you know, quite a bit the last few years. This year, over, you know, this whole year, we kind of showed up with a complete new car, new setup wise, same car, we just redid it um good friend of mine barton brooks with triple b fab redid the whole car for us kind of putting us in a whole different direction so we we've learned a lot struggled a little bit this whole year learning this new concept of how we're doing and approaching things so we didn't we don't have the notebook that we've had before to go there to feel as confident as we've been um and i feel like that showed a little bit but we've been decent so we've been okay um i felt like we went to the Owasso lab a couple of weeks ago for the nationals. um didn't get a lot of practice time with as much cars as they had there that was good for them really bad for us um <laughs> and <laughs> like a couple lap three or four lap practice run two times and it was very hard for, i've never even seen that place before so that really killed our chances to dial a car in but we went there with some different ideas and Barton gave me ideas when I went there and I felt like we learned a lot and that was going to help us towards uh, Michigan cup. And as soon as we unloaded, I could tell a difference in a different feel in the car. Um, so I knew we were pretty good. Um, and Andrew, my cousin prepared me two sets of tires, um, he's did my tires for me the last couple of years for Michigan Cup, so he has it down. So I was pretty now, confident. Now, wait, wait a minute! Um, <laughs> wait a
1: minute! What does prepared mean? <laughs> <laughs> now this is Michigan Cup, so yeah. what is what is prepared mean? Michigan Cup means you come with very good tires,
4: so. <laughs> well well maintained tires. So. Um, because now, yeah, now I, I, quite
1: honestly, I can't remember, do they allow, do they allow treatment, tire treatment at, at Michigan? Yeah. Cup? They do. Yeah. Okay.
4: That's a, that's a note. Yeah. You have, obviously you show up with, you know, your F70s, F60 tires, but other than that, it's do whatever you want to
1: them. Okay. So, so, so they, yeah, they, they, they accidentally got dropped in a pool, uh, but before yeah, they yeah. came over, I got it. I got it. No, I dropped, I dropped him out of his house and
4: whatever he did, <laughs> what he did but I picked him up. <laughs> they're very good. fast. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so I knew, I knew practice wise, a little bit of practice we got, um, the car was pretty good to to qualify second, um, and be as close as we were to fast time. I was a little surprised, um, because that was really just, the car was really, really stable and I was just shooting for straight race pace, you know, last year, <laughs> Last year I lost this race. I was fast time and I got to the lead, and I lost this damn race by a broken ball joint, like ten to go. So I haven't forgot that. I went three hundred and sixty four days not, you know, uh, thinking uh, about uh, this race. No one so, that this
1: racetrack owed you one.
4: Yeah, so I was determined. We were well, as a team determined on this one. So I just, I just wanted to focus on race pace. And stability in the car, and that's what we did all Friday and Saturday morning. So I knew we had a really good race car. It was just hoping things were going to fall in place, and maybe these other guys were going to burn their stuff up before we did. So
1: now I- I'm Hopefully. asking. Th- I'm asking this question uh, 100% genuinely because, as, mm-hmm. a, as a former driver, I've never had the opportunity to race on um tires that went and stayed somewhere for a week so you do well but i I mean legitimately so you go to these other racetracks or you take this car to owasso and and you work on it how different are the tires after their spa treatment versus what you would race on on a regular night i mean is it is it that much uh, well i obviously i know they're going to get grippier but how much of what you learn Mm -hmm. on on stock tires right off of the trailer is still applicable with tires that have spent spent some time at the spa.
4: Yeah, it just enhances everything, overall grip, feel. You know, if your car's decent, you know, before on your standard stuff, it just is that much better. Your order, your entries, your forward drive, everything is just so much better everywhere. So we knew, you know, my practice tires obviously weren't gonna be as good as my race tires. I could feel the I could feel a grip on my quarter entry, how, how good I could drive it in. And I could feel my forward drive in the car, my side grip in it. Everything was really good uh, balance wise. So the car travel, <laughs> like we know how far these cars travel. We have notes, you know, and my car was traveling a little bit farther than usual, which is telling us like, it's really good, you know? So We knew we knew the car was good, Um, and these tires. Anytime you get that much more grip into them, obviously, are doing that much more to it. So it was just telling myself at that point, you know, to be patient and take care of them, and just be smart in the race as well. So, and Tom, we got to tell Zach, right? You
2: haven't lived until you've driven a race car on prepared tires. It is like you can do nothing wrong. Yeah. There is grip everywhere. Yeah, Going in the like, corner, yeah. through the center, off the corner, they launch. Yeah. You have not lived until you've driven on a full set of those tires. Yeah. It, is, it is awesome.
1: Well, and do you have to change yeah. the mindset? Like, do you have to tell yourself, okay, you can drive in deeper, you can pick up the throttle quicker, you can be more aggressive here? I mean, obviously, everything has a limit, right? But do you have to tell yourself yeah. to drive the car harder than you would normally?
4: Yeah, you learn it pretty quick. It, the, the car tells you that really quick. As soon as you drive it in there, the input in the steering, the everything, it's just as soon as you roll in there, you can feel it. Like your scrub, just your pace laps with the scrub in the car, you can feel the extra grip in it. So yeah, your lift points, all that change a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's all off feel. So yeah, it's gonna change up a little bit. But
1: and, and what is what is the fall off like on those tires? Do you get to a point where you will? Uh, go through a cycle to where that gumminess is not as effective? Or is that is that treatment so good that you, you pretty much have that same feel throughout the entirety of the race?
4: Yeah, and that's dependent on, you know, we've I've had different, um, I guess I would say different companies of soak I would say, that we've used um, different people of different methods of doing it. Um, Andrew's got a really good method he's doing right now with it. Um, and his, his is working really good for me to where, like, that was a 50 lap race and I felt really good. till so at 40, you know, I had to get really okay. aggressive on the car, you know, and I could feel it on the right rear. You know, I knew I was hurting it. Um, but I had to be smart and in that area and I, you know, in the race, i changed you know, I changed a few things. I calmed it down and I rested it. I cooled it down before I made another late charge, but you can feel it in the car. Honestly, you know, you can feel the tire working extra. You can feel it fading. So yeah, it's, it's, you, you can feel it going away, but like I said, if it's done right, it'll hold up.
1: I want to put something to bed, too, right away, because I can already hear people saying this. Uh, Okay, great. Tom won a race on Doctored Tires. Okay, but let's back up. (laughs) Ten races this year, eight top tens, four top fives, three wins, one of those coming on Doctored Tires, uh, which the event allows. So get off his case. (laughs) Tenth at Kalamazoo back in May. Feature win in the Street Stocks uh, in June at Springport. Uh, third in the mods at Springport, another street stock win in Springport, seventh in the modified at Kalamazoo, seventh at Springport, tenth in the Owasso uh, race on the 23rd, and uh, then then this uh, this win here at Springport. So uh, you you can drive a modified on regular tires too. I just wanted to I wanted to say that before the naysayers got in on that. Okay. Yeah, and I appreciate it
2: and i want to i want want to clarify too what zach's question tom and you could back me up on this it all depends how you do it if you if you put the uh the fluid inside the tire and Mm -hmm. and you soak it from the inside out that will last you longer than it will applying it to the outside and hoping it soaks in Mm
4: -hmm. so yeah just different methods different ways of doing it yeah there's there's so many different ways to do it and i said that. The chemicals and whatever brand you're using, change it up a little too. So, well, let's talk about a a buddy of mine. A buddy
2: of mine had a uh, he had like an axle set up with a with a belt, and it turned the tire Ah, like the old rotisserie. The rotisserie, Mm -hmm. and you just filled that thing with it through the valve stem, and you just let that thing run for a couple hours and just let it go.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Rach is turning into back into his chemist. He's getting his lab coat back out of the closet. He's ready to go dope some (laughs) tires up.
4: Make sure so you're getting some air in the the building. thin <laughs> or <outside. laughs> All right, let's. We wouldn't stay
2: in there. We would leave the building. Yeah.
1: yeah. Let's. All right. <laughs> let's get away from. Let's get away from the chemistry table just for a minute. Let's talk about the race itself because, um, as we talked, right, this this event draws some big names, Berg acres and Ganises on the property as well. And I think you kind of, not to take away from from your efforts, but I would say some breaks kind of went your way, right? Starting ninth. Uh, in, in that, uh, modified feature, you had some work ahead of you with 50 laps to do it. Um, obviously yep. there's, uh, some contact between some front runners that, that kind of gives you an opportunity as well. Take me through these 50 laps.
4: Yeah. The, you know, the modified, the modifieds are very aggressive. Uh, modified races are super aggressive anymore. Um, yeah, so Tracks, obviously, was, the whole weekend was really cold, Um so every, the grips are down probably a little bit. Everybody's on treated tires, so our grips are up a little for that. We weren't on track a whole bunch, so maybe guys are a little extra anxious. I don't know, but yeah, it started off a little rough, bouncing around. Took us, I think they come over the race fever at one point, we were four laps in at 19 minutes. So, Oh my goodness. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't realize it was yeah. that bad. <laughs> yeah. It took us a little while to get rolling. Um, but yeah, it's just, a, it's aggressive, but there's, there's so many opportunities, you know, when those double file restarts and, you know, when there is a, when there's a 10 car inversion, you know, the top 10 guys are so close, you know, everybody's trying to get up there in the track position, clean air, that's a big deal. Um, you know, and so yeah, the big you know, the big one I'm assuming you're referring to is you know, Jeff got in there a little hot, you know, I don't know if his car was loose in or not, but kinda just got in there and got into Brian, you know, with Vergaker, and that kinda cleaned him out, you know, obviously my first thought was oh, uh, Jeff I don't got to try to pass Jeff. You know? Jeff's so getting a Christmas card. That, that makes it a little <laughs> that makes it a little easier for me because he's one of the best around. You know, I love racing with Jeff, but he's so hard to pass. And so. uh, and at that racetrack and, too, right? I mean, my goodness, he's got Springport on lockdown. Yeah, he does. He's a wheelman. So then I do my base lap, and I come around, and I see Bergacre there with the flats. So I was like, well, shit, I don't I don't got to pass them <laughs> <him> either. So. <laughs> But there was still so many other you know, there's still plenty of good guys up there with Austin and Dalkey and a couple well, of Well, so. and, and that's what you I was know.
1: gonna say too, is right, you're kinda leading that charge from ninth, Maynard from seventh, uh, you know, Gatton from eighth, uh, and then the, the the pole sitter didn't really fall that much, right? Jordan Jordan Dalkey's still right there, uh the other mm-hmm. Gatton is still right there, right? So, um yeah, you weren't able to really relax at all, were you?
4: No. No, and you knew it. Like you said those those guys were good and some of them didn't get chances to go back out, you know, with better tires with the weather and you know, it's just, they're all good. There's everybody's just so close. So we knew it was going to be tough. Like I said, we knew our car was really good. Our hope was just, they were going to fall off faster than we were or more than we were. So, um, yeah, it panned out. We got lucky in a couple, you know, a couple of restarts we were on the bottom. So that worked in our favor. And, um, yeah, I started plucking
1: our way up through there. So, By the way, hard charger for that race, too. Up eight spots uh, past more cars than anybody else in the field you yeah. did. So uh, you, yeah. you, you mentioned last last season, this event, you feel like you, you had one ripped out of the mm. – you, you, you snatched, as they say, you snatched a defeat out of the jaws of victory thanks to a parts failure. Uh, how good was mm. it to get back to victory lane at this event, at this racetrack that you've been at all season?
4: Yeah, it was awesome, you know, uh, I was in victory lane, and I could see my wife running across the track crying, (laughs) (laughs) so that was awesome, where last year, she was walking into my trailer crying, so uh, that was a a difference in emotion, you know, because she knew how much I've worked at it, to try to win it, and how much I've wanted to win this race, so it was awesome, you know, it meant. A ton, you know. My car owner stuck behind me through all that, you know, and he's always supportive for me, and always holds me and by my shoulders and tells me how proud he is, you know. Same with my dad and them. So, yeah, to see them, uh, to see them all smiling, happy, you know, it makes it that much more special. And what a what a relief it was. So, Tom, talk to me about. Uh... That's, it's always cool to get your
2: own, but talk talk to me about this young lady that is competing for you with trophies,
4: and it looks like she's getting a lot more. <laughs> <than> you are, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a that's an in-house competition. That's yeah. funny because my last two trophies are sitting in the house because I had to build trophy shelves in the shop for all of hers, and she's keeping track, and she's made it clear she's. She's catching me very fast. <laughs> um, my yeah, my daughter picked up. I think she's got like oh, I think might have got like five feature wins this year, five or seven. I'm not even sure what it was, but won her first championship. That was awesome. And uh, yeah, she's gonna she's gonna surpass me very fast. So
2: how how were I? I saw that uh, they weren't weren't able to let the mini wedge kids run this weekend how 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 disappointed was she
4: he was you know i we left them at we left them at home with my wife's parents friday night just because of the weather was gonna have them come down saturday um expecting them to come or you know expecting them to race. had them hold off just because the weather was really bad again you know donnie was trying he said he couldn't do it. He was going to wait till Sunday. So I was like, the weather was still looking really bad. So I was like, well, all right, we'll hold him off again. And, and then, you know, Sunday stuff was starting so early. And uh actually had some sports stuff going on. And it was like, yeah, he might as well just stay home as early as we were going to race. And Donnie was going to try to run him afterwards. But, and I didn't, personally, I knew Donnie was going to try his hardest. But I really didn't see it happening. And I feel bad now, <laughs> being that we won, you know, that I didn't have them bring, I didn't have them bring them down. But yeah, she was, she was heartbroken. But she was, at the same time, she said, Dad, hey, I won my last race. You won your last race. <laughs> so, <laughs> you yeah, know, that was, that was, that made it, that made it okay for me.
1: So well and you mentioned the last race thing too I think it would be uh, unjust to not mention that your name is glaringly missing off of the Winchester entry list for the Midwest Modifieds Tour for this weekend is that a racetrack that you have raced at before and and if so thoughts on it and if not why and do you want to in the future
4: yeah you know I drove um, I drove a buddy of mine street back there one time um, I'd love to go back for sure we don't we don't have an engine program, really, to run there. Um, and I don't know. I really want to take my modified there. I love that car a lot. And I know it's it's one error away if it's on my part or if it's somebody else's. And, and she's gone. <laughs>
1: so I asked Dale Spencer um, and Blake I, Rowe that question Labor Day weekend. I said, why don't you guys bring your modifieds here? And uh, they used an expletive ahead of their no uh to bring the modified and it was kind of that same thing tom they talked about you know you guys have to run so much stock fronts front end stuff yeah i mean it's just it is one ball joint it's one bearing it's one a arm away from having a totaled race car
4: it is you know it it's tough. It's a fine line. I would love to go there and even test it, you know, just to be by myself, you know, where it's all on me and but, me going over the car. And top, but it is Winchester and, making, and all hell can break loose on your own too. It, it can, you know, and you know, I have the other part of, I'm a dad I have kids and wife, you know, to make sure it's taken care of. I got to be smart on that too, but I'm, I might be dumb enough to take my street stock. Cause I really, <laughs> really want to go back there. <laughs> so, I was a little, little, well, little tougher, so maybe I could, maybe I can talk him into let me take that there.
1: Tom, you talked about the family, and, and Rich brought up the uh, the daughter racing. You mm-hmm. you started this conversation remembering that when you were born, Dad had to step away. How cool has it been for you to be able to not only continue to race yourself, but also be able to put your daughter in into something that she is having fun in, and you guys kind of have this little in, internal competition. Um, what is it kinda of like here as, as the, the, the pages continue to get wrote in the next chapters, you can see it you can see it starting right before your eyes.
4: Yeah, it's uh it's awesome. I I never um you know, and I had a girl first, you know, I didn't really know. My my wife is always uh into animals, horses. She was a barrel racing <laughs> champion, so I kinda of figured yeah, that's what my daughter is going to do, and she still might go that direction. But, um, you know, for her to want to do anything like I did was really, really cool. So it means a lot. And, you know, to get to do with her and to watch her do it is is so cool. You know, to, to getting to that age now to where she actually will pay attention and listen to me. You know, at first it was kind of I try to tell her something she kind of just looks at me like a deer in headlights, and I don't know how to break it down simple enough. And I know, you know, I just, I don't know. I didn't know how to simplify it enough, you know. And I'm getting better at that. She's getting better at understanding things. So I feel like that's where our success together is getting better. And uh, yeah, she, is, she's so smart. Um, there's, she's, there's things that. She, these did from day one that i could never teach her um that she, with her looking ahead and her smoothness and calmness so she does really good um and i enjoy watching her i love it so proud and um now we starting next year i think we'll have the have my little boy doing it and i don't know if the calm smoothness is gonna be there but <laughs> 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 we might be a little a little more wild and May have me beat up. I'm not sure, so we're gonna see. <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy!
2: <laughs> well, Tom, congratulations, yeah. man. We we appreciate you coming on the program tonight. Um, this is your sh- chance. We always give drivers a shout out when they come on the program. Uh, there's names on the side of that race car that help you out, and we want you, we want you to have a chance at uh,
4: shouting out everybody who helps you get up and down the road. Oh yeah, no, I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, the big one was um, Barton Brooks with Triple B Fab. Like I said he uh he really redone the whole front and back of our car. Um it was at his shop probably four times this year. Um nonstop going over it, relearning stuff and helping me. He's always a phone call away. So uh, Barton's a huge one. Um Lane Automotive, all star performance. I would say my work, which is a huge, huge asset for me. Um, I got HP Graphics with Buddy Head, um, Maddox Automotive, all guys that help us a lot. Um, Then my big big one is my car owners um, down in Ronnie York. I couldn't do any of it without them. I truly appreciate them. I got my family, my wife, my dad, my my cousin, Andrew, helps me a ton. His dad, Harry, all my cousins, um, everybody. There's so many little people that... Stop in, help me, you know, that I truly appreciate. So, yes, all those guys.
1: All right, Tom. Well, hey, man, thanks for coming on tonight. As Rich said, congratulations on Sunday. And uh, you knocked your first Horsepower Happenings interview out of the park, man. That was good stuff. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, thank you guys very much. Well, time for our
2: next guest, and I'm sure if he had the option, he would be showing up to Winchester this week if he had a ride. Well, let's uh, not wanna... jump
1: to conclusions that he's not, okay? because We'll get to <laughs> that.
2: Yeah. We'll, get, we'll get to that. Uh, had a great season in his, uh, in his UMP late model, uh, then got back on the pavement this year. We're going to talk about all of it. Makes his home in St. John's, Michigan. Chad Finley, welcome back to Horsepower Happenings.
3: Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back again.
2: Man, it uh, – We'll, we'll get to the, the pavement stuff, but uh, kind of just talk about your season on dirt. It You really had, uh, for all intents and purposes, a pretty darn good year.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think we're right there every week. Um, had some things go our way and had some things, you know, not really paying out how we wanted to. So, um, really want to win that wood tick here again. Um, we kept a little bit short again this year. We were able to get the preliminary night done, but... Yeah, um, I think I only got to run it, you know, 25 or 26 times this year, which really I wanted to run more than that. We just, uh, just didn't have the time to do it this year.
2: Yeah, we we were talking and you were you actually had more plans to travel a little more uh, out of state than what than originally planned. And then you then you ended up not doing that. What uh, what changed your mind? Because I know how much fun you have when you want to go, you know, battle it out with those Lucas and Outlaw guys.
3: Yeah, we were we were just.
2: You know, pretty busy at work. We couldn't get away. You know, we uh, started our new company
3: here first week of first week of May, I think it was, and just a little bit more upkeep and a little more responsibility than, you know, I was kind of thinking. So we just didn't get to, you know, uh, travel as much this year.
1: You know, Chad told me, uh, he said, we're not going to race hardly at all this year. You, you won't see us at the racetrack hardly at all. Uh, I got a boat. I got the business. I got a kid. I got a wife. We're not going to race hardly at all. When you go through my race pass, by the way, the biggest gap in his schedule is two weeks in July. That's it. That's it. Other than that, he was at the racetrack, and it did pay off for you, Chad. Twenty-nine events, seven wins, twenty-two top fives, twenty-three top tens, and that's just the events that are on the My Race Pass app. That doesn't count any of your uh, events where you may have went somewhere else that doesn't utilize My Race Pass. Um, and I like this too. You mixed it up quite a bit there uh after july and started getting getting into that outlaw super late model again talk about <clears throat> teaming up with with that one r group and and chase and and his family and kind of getting back to your roots a little bit
3: yeah so during that uh two-week hiatus there that really long two-week hiatus there in july <laughs> <laughs> i went up to burt lake i went up to uh burton Molt lake the to- Weekend after Fourth of July, and I was up there. Uh, Travis Stenler, Colin Burlby, uh Brian Brindley, um, Baker's Roto. There was a bunch of us, and uh, I was scheduled to drive a different car for my grandpa's race, but um, I was just, you know, I was still had my ear open for different opportunities. And uh, uh, Todd Rosebrew was up there, and we were all at a sandbar there on a Saturday, uh, drinking a couple of Pepsis. <laughs> as I did, like as, as, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah that's rich's favorite and, drink. Uh, that was like a Saturday, and I said, "Well, let me think about it. you know." Todd offered the ride to me. He was going through some uh things with his health, and I said I would think about it. And that was Saturday, and you think he called me Monday night and asked if I made my mind up yet. Yeah, so um talked to my dad, and I decided to do it. And then you know we were gonna do my grandpa's race there at Spartan Speedway, which is now Corgan Oil Speedway on July twenty sixth or whatever it was, and. Uh, the they had a memorial race for his family scheduled, which was the Growler One Hundred up at Onaway. You know, three or four days before that, and I said, "Well, you know, why don't we do that one too?" And that's kind of what got it all going. And um, here we are.
1: You have had uh, some great opportunities in your racing career. Most of them fielded by your family's team. Uh, from from you know what you're doing on the dirt all the way up to racing in the, in the NASCAR craftsman truck series. But when somebody like that local, uh, somebody that you have ties with that go back a ways deals that are made, uh, over a couple of drinks at a sandbar, how, how important are those opportunities to you at this point in your career to represent them and you really well?
3: Yeah. It's, uh, I know what it takes to go up and down the road and, I know what it takes to buy all this stuff and, you know, I've, uh, I've rented cars out in my past, you know, in 2013, 14, 15, 16, I did some, you know, super late model rental stuff. So, um, I know what it takes and I, it's just, uh, it means a lot to me, to be honest, you know, cause I know what it takes. I know how much how much money all this stuff costs and for, you know, Todd to offer that up to me and, uh, it really, it really meant a lot, and it's been absolutely wonderful. Todd's a great guy. I talk to Todd probably five to seven times a week, if not more than that. Um, so, uh, you know, Todd was a good friend of my grandpa, actually. Um, so when I started talking about at the sandbar that day, I remember when I was really young, I used to always sit in the back of the tow truck and I would go places with my grandpa, Bob. And... Back in those days, they had, you know, the, the two-way radios with Nextel. And I always seen this guy's name, and it was Todd Rosebrew. And I never knew who it was. And all these years later, you know, so when, I, when Em and I started talking that day at the Sandbar, that was that was the thing that kind of brought it together, you know, which made me think that I needed to go that direction with just his relationship that he already, you know, had with my family. So um, Todd's been great. I can't say enough good things about Todd and Warby. You know, already looking forward to next year.
2: Chad, we tease each other a lot when you give me a hard time about pavement and that I spend a lot of time on pavement and you spend most of your time on dirt, but how cool was that the first night you drove that 1R and man, you probably, for some unreal circumstances, you probably should have won that race.
3: Yeah, we had a good car up at the Growler, man. That thing was awesome and um, we set fast time by two, two and a half tenths or something like that and the invert was I think it was nine or so, and it was very bottom dominant. Dominant, sorry. And uh, I was able to get to the top there and get by some cars. And then the leaders got a little wreck there. And then, you know, we got clipped and had tire problems, could come in, change tire. Well, I think it went back to like 16th and drove back up to third or passing for third and just got squeezed in the outside wall there, just kind of a short track racing deal. Not a lot. Of, but, um, I was excited from there on because I knew how fast that car was. I knew how I was, you know, who I was surrounded with, with Todd, Steve Needles, and Terry Seneker. Um, I knew it was where I needed to be if I wanted to keep running asphalt races. So it was uh,
2: very cool. And then you come to the third quad crown race with that car, and the same thing happens. That thing was on go the whole time you were up there, and you probably could have had your first two in that car, really.
3: Yeah, I think we could have had our first three, but, yeah, that car was really good. You know, we got there, and the uh, something happened to the drive shaft or something. either either fell out or um, broke the yoke or something. I'm we not really sure. So, um, it was just an unbelievable race car. You know, I hadn't been, hadn't been to Dixie or Birch Run in probably 11 to 12 years or so. And uh, just to go back there and qualify fourth or fifth my first laps on the racetrack, take the lead as early as we did, just, I mean, just really drive away. That's just a just testament to Todd. Steve Needles and everybody that works on the 1R, you know, um, after that, you know, I felt like we could, I felt like we could win anywhere we went. Um, I felt like we had a car capable of winning every race except, except for my uh, grandpa's race. We just had everything and then didn't go our way. So, um, but I mean, that thing is an unbelievable car. and uh, I'm super thankful to be able to have the opportunity to actually, you know, drive for Todd and to drive for him next year. So it's uh, going to be exciting.
1: I know that you uh, are a confident driver, rightfully so, and and you know also you you won last year in these cars, but were you at all surprised, or or I don't know if surprise is the right word, maybe just uh, you know happily encouraged by how good you guys as a team and driver combination came out of the box to be that competitive right away.
3: Yeah, um, especially after Onaway, you know I just I felt like anytime I got in that car i could win even i went to dixie I, I told my dad before you know all that stuff happened during practice and stuff i said i'm, I'm gonna win this race. and i just that's, that's just you know really good equipment really good people right you're only as good as who you're surrounded by so um i was always confident i'm always confident in myself you know even when sometimes it doesn't seem like it or when you talk to me it doesn't really look like i'm confident i mean i just got that quiet calmness about me that um there's nothing i haven't seen on the racetrack there's you know, there's nothing anybody's going to do to me out on the racetrack that I haven't seen before for the most part, or, you know, a circumstance that I put myself in, you know, I, I put myself in some bad ones, put myself in some good ones, and that's just, that's just, you know, part of the experience of doing everything. I love going back and forth and driving asphalt cars and, and, uh, driving dirt cars at the same time, and, you know, asphalt racing's kind of make a resurgence here lately with Rex Wheeler and everything he's doing, so... Um, I just felt like if I was going to get back into an outlaw car, that this would probably be the time to
1: do it. You mentioned all the stuff that happened at Birch Run, and we did cover it a little bit, uh, but we covered it from the outside looking in, man. That race, that day, right? I mean, my goodness. If you're going to tax a team and tax a driver, I don't know that you get any more taxing than that uh, with, with virtually no time on the racetrack before it mattered. Kind of talk about, walk through everything that happened and, where your head was at, and, and how you keep yourself focused on the task at hand.
3: Uh, just experience. You know, we had the problem with the rear end, and and had uh, I family remember coming down from West Branch, and they brought us apart. The and then, you know, um, when I went out to qualify, I felt like I really didn't know where to go or where to be. But it just comes back to experience. And
1: is that hit the racetrack? Go hard and hope for the best. At that point, I mean, what 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 is the mindset when you roll out for? first laps on the racetrack in quite some time and they really matter
3: well yeah my, my mindset is uh don't screw up everybody's watching so um <laughs> that's it you know really um i felt like i was all over the place and i didn't know where to be and i asked Todd how bad was it and he's like ah, i qualified fourth or fifth or whatever it was and, and just just being calm right like i've been i've been doing this stuff for since I was 14 years old, my dad put me in an outlaw car I turned my very first lapse out to a Wausau Speedway. So, like I said, I've, I've been in all these predicaments, and, um, you know, Steve Needles was there. He was fast in practice, and I kept going over and talking to him and seeing what he was changing because I'm sure we had pretty much the same setup or, you know, pretty close. Our race cars were a little different, but setup-wise, they're relatively the same. So, you know, just always got to keep your head in it. You you always got to think you got a chance even when you may not. So, um, just experience, I guess.
2: And then we get, then we get to, to your grandpa's race, the Bob Finley Memorial. And I I told Zach, I said, there was almost nothing on that car. They changed from front to back. Um, they were, it was a constant effort and, you know, you ran, you ran pretty good, but you guys just couldn't find that winning speed all day.
3: Yeah. So let's back up. So uh, I actually, you know, I ran one of their four crown races a couple of weeks before that, right? And uh, we were really fast in practice, started fifth, I think the invert was nine or whatever, and we qualified fourth or fifth, and and uh go up there, took the lead pretty easily, right? And then I was probably going to win that race, uh, which is a 10,000-win race. And, and that's when we broke the motor that put us in the hole for my grandpa's race. So, you know, going into grandpa's race, we didn't get the motor until the Thursday night before the race, there was some problems getting parts and stuff, and we were supposed to have it by Monday or Tuesday, and it just didn't work out. So, Which, by the
1: way, insider have- information, Finley's texting me Thursday. <laughs> this is the week after I said that Finley might be a little bit of an underdog for this show, and he's texting me, we're going to get an engine, I'll show you an underdog. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got that dog
3: in me, like you said. I know, yeah, so- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we get the motor, and you know what, like, Nine o'clock at night, we get at a at a Hooters parking lot in Flint, which is over off Miller Road. And um,
1: that's where all the best deals are made, right? Yeah, man.
3: Yep. So we um so we drive up to drive up to West Branch, Me and my buddy Brandon, who works on my dirt car, I think we pull into Todd's shop at ten thirty at night or so. It's about an hour and a half drive from Flint, and we start putting this motor in, and and we get it mostly done relatively. And I think we worked on until about three forty-five in the morning i got back out there at was putting the water lines on it in the morning which is the friday of the owasso nationals and um had to get the exhaust fixed and all this stuff so we get the car loaded at like noon friday practice starts at uh, i think five is the first time for the outlaw car it's a two-hour drive well the hauler breaks down on the way there Jesus. so Todd had to get a part it actually broke down in his driveway he's got like a mile long driveway so you know we didn't even pull into the track until after practice was over and all the guys at the track let me go out and make two or three laps and I felt okay. I didn't feel like we had in the past, you know, and, and then we get, get to the race day and, and there's so many cars and everybody already got to practice. We didn't really get to practice. and there's So many cars, like two practices are 30 minutes apiece. So with 50 cars being there, you just, I just couldn't catch up. And then, you know, um, and we kind of drug the oil pan qualifying there. We're going to put a big hole in it. And I thought for sure we were done, but all the guys were able to, able to work on it. had a bunch of friends and family come over, uh, pitch in, um, AP engines. We got the motor fixed and, and we had an okay day, but you know, we, uh, obviously I really wanted to win the race and, but I just never felt like we had the car to do it. So, um, that's how, that's how racing goes as race car drivers. I'm sure we all lose way more than we win. So that's, that's just part
2: of it. And and what I meant top to bottom, front to back on that car, you guys did everything that you could. You fixed the oil pan. You changed the carburetor up top. You had the front shocks and springs off that car. Steve was working on that thing like crazy for you guys at the last minute. Uh, you had the tail panel off, put it back on. I mean, you were really trying everything you could um, to see if you could fall into something on that uh, on that race car.
3: Yeah, we just didn't have the time, you know. So, um, we kind of put some stuff on the front of our car that was like Steve's, and, and our car's a different build than Steve. So I think that actually kind of hurt us. I think we were kind of better the other way, but even still, the motor never ran right all day. We just, there was something wrong with it. We couldn't find it. We thought it was a fuel problem. So we changed the carburetor. and That wasn't it. Took the fuel filter in and out. And just everything just didn't go our way. So, if I had pulled that off, that would have, have been awesome. That would have been a miracle. But it just, it just kind of one of those things where you felt like, you know, from the get-go that it, it just wasn't going to be your day. It, it wasn't from lack of effort, right? Like you said, we worked on the thing nonstop. We just, we just kind of ran out of time and, and felt like we just needed to go this way. And that's where we led the last time. And, you know, we changed a couple things on the front end. And it just didn't work out. And that's, that's just part of racing, it ain't nobody's, you know, fault. It was just kind of a set of circumstances, and
1: it didn't work out. By the way, I was uh, on a family vacation that weekend, and unfortunately, couldn't be there. But I was watching Rich's social media coverage on horsepower happenings, and I'm laying in my bed at, that night and the crows of our. Flying. What's that? And
3: and the crows were flying.
1: Yes, <laughs> I'm laying yeah. in bed with my wife on vacation, looking at my phone, going oh monday is going to be hell monday is gonna suck so bad and i I did i really was hoping you would win that race because i couldn't wait to eat the crow dish on monday night but man i just how close really were you i mean was it just one little setup change away from being able to hang up top there with with those guys or or i mean was third kind of the car that you had
3: uh third was the car we had i think we would have won the race if um The circumstances for the 10 and the 14, you know, they were better than us all day. And, you know, they had qualified back there. And if it would have went green to checker there after that first or second caution, I don't think anybody had anything for us. Um, But they were able to get by some guys that were in some accidents and just kind of brought them up to me really, really easily pretty early. So um, I didn't have anything for Blake. I don't feel... Steve, I think had the best car at the end of the night, so um, we were just off. We were tenth, tenth and a half off, and then you know I kind of flaking our race for the lead. I knew he was better than me because my motor really wouldn't run as hard as needed to down the straightaways. So he had a run on me there on the outside, and was going to have me clear get into three anyways. And we just kind of touched a little bit. I was hoping to slow him down just a little bit to where I could get in, you know try to get side by side with him, but we didn't have the car or the, you know speed and. He has a lot of laps there with that car, and and um, you know they're they're one of the ones to beat. I'm not I'm not making excuses. We didn't have the car to get it done, but those guys are really fast. They do it a lot more than I do. So we just got to work hard this off season and to be faster next year.
1: I don't want to beat a dead horse, but just in the way that you recount this, uh, it's it's kind of hard to tell because of the way you describe all of your racing stories, even the ones you win. Was this one perhaps uh, one of the bigger letdowns just because of it being grandpa's race?
4: Uh yeah,
3: I don't know. Like I almost won the snowball derby in two thousand sixteen or whatever it was. And that race really broke my heart, you know, and I I still think about it all the time. I should've won that race. But yeah, I don't know. Like this was just a different deal, right? It was my grandpa's race and we had all of our sponsors there, family and everybody's in the grandstands watching, so Last thing you want to do is let those people down, right? Those people have been with you through thick and thin and all that stuff. So, I was way more emotional than I ever anticipated. being. I'm I'm not a real emotional race car driver. Yeah. I mean, we, we know you leave that to your person. dad.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. I'm a super emotional person, but um when it comes to racing, you know, I know everybody gets fired up and stuff. It just it don't do you no good, you know. Uh, Uh, cooler heads always prevail when it comes to race so it was a letdown you know but um it just shows that we're not right where we need to be so we're working on things for next year to be better but yeah i mean obviously my grandpa met the world to us my family and and to short track racing so obviously you really want to win that race for all those people but it just uh it didn't go my way
1: Let's uh, flip the hats around a little bit. You alluded to this. That race was originally supposed to be at Corrigan or Spartan, um, and Mother Nature made it very clear early in the week she was not going to cooperate. Gets uh, you know nobody really knows how the back end of this works, and we don't need to. But uh, you know it, it works out that Rex is able to pick this up and add it to the Owasso Nationals, the namesake and the money and things like that. Um, just on the back end of things, I know your dad was was really heavily involved, and Anytime I asked you a question, you said, I don't know, ask Dad. Uh, but what was that backside of things like, working with your family, working with uh, with the Hernleys, and then the Wheelers, and, and, you know, just to be able to get this race to go, and then, after finally the day comes, seeing all the people show up, hearing all of the stories, all the people talking about your dad and your grandpa, what was all that like for you? It had to be a new experience.
3: It was. It was tough, you know, so when we kind of planned that race, we didn't really plan a rain date, which we already have a rain date for next year and already have a date picked out. Um, I actually had dinner last Wednesday with Rex at our shop, so everything is, everything is good to go for next year. Um, but as far as this year, you know, it's whenever has schedules and they all come out, you know, this is the race we're doing, and, you know, outlaw guys like to have a little time between the races to prepare because these cars are, so meticulous and expensive and things so you know like us us dirt racers we'll race four or five times a week and ain't no problem but when it comes to asphalt racing it's a little more expensive and, and things can be a lot more time consuming to fix so when it did rain out you know me and dad we looked at the radar all day on monday and tuesday went back and forth we were texting each other and calling our friends and seeing what we wanted to do and, and we just ultimately decided that we didn't want to take the chance right you know it's um I hate to have had the race and all these guys show up or nobody showed up because the forecast wasn't great. So, um, the Harleys were gracious enough to help us out and be a part of the event at Corrigan Oil with using their trophies and names and all their banners and stuff. And it was a new experience. It's a lot of work, but, you know, it's ultimately super rewarding for my family and to see the smile on my family's, you know, faces and have them a part of driver intros and have them over there in the corner and all that stuff. So, it's um, anything. Anything, you know, that's not easy is is always super rewarding. So it was uh, it was definitely a new experience. Sure, um, my dad does not want to be a full-time track promoter anytime soon. Um, Rex and his team were really great to work with. They opened us up with welcome arms and, and pretty much just, you know, gave us the keys to the place. We could go there anytime time we wanted. We were out there the Wednesday before the race hanging banners up and setting stuff, and, and um, me and dad had probably went out there three or four times in between that july 26th date and you know what was the oasso national so i mean he's really brought asphalt racing back he's really brought out outlaw racing back sorry so um he's done so much for the sport and he's going to take that little racetrack over there so far you know and and none of us ever anticipated that or ever seen that coming so that's going to be um, super exciting to see what happens over there
1: by the way, uh, I gotta break in here real quick, Rich. Apparently I upset Ryan Lanfield, so I apologize for interrupting you guys' uh, date night tonight.
3: Him and I talked about night, we were talking about Honda stuff. I'll send him some Joe Camera pictures. But so yeah, uh, um, I'm looking forward to next year, right? I've seen the, the hammer schedule and all the races they're gonna have with have my grandpa's race it's gonna be really cool and um, you know, I am still gonna do a lot of racing next year. We're trying to trying to downsize our hauler a little bit, you know, just trying to make things a little easier on us to where it's not so time consuming because we just don't have that time right now. So I don't know what we'll do next year as far as dirt racing. I'm going to drive for Todd, you know, probably six to eight times and um, I'm looking forward to it, but I'm definitely, definitely enjoying our time off
2: right now. So you said six to eight times. Uh, What does that schedule look like? I'm guessing some reveal the hammer races in Michigan, obviously, uh, the Bob, the second annual Bob Finley Memorial. and What what else are you guys looking at on the schedule? Uh, just probably some of
3: the, the hammer races and, and then probably my grandpa's race. I mean, I, you know, uh, dirt racing is is still what I want to do, right? That's what I find the most challenging. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of money to be had asphalt racing. And, um, you know, there's uh, there's a lot to be said about that. That's You know, that's something I want to do. Like when you guys had me on a show a couple of years ago, I want to win at both and show I can do both, right? And I'm surrounded by all the right people to do it right now. So this is the time to do it. Um, I'll run six day races. Probably I've had some offers to go back to foot racing, which I don't really want to do. Um, outlaw racing is where my family comes from. That's what, that's all we've done. You know, I can remember times being five, six years old and going over sports with my family going over to Owasso with my family. And I, I know they all really enjoy that. So that's, um, that's to us.
2: and that's kind of unusual what you said, uh, you know, five years ago you could not have been truthful and said there's a lot of money in outlaw racing.
3: Right. Yeah. No, it, it's changed so much. And that's where all the money is. In Our, you know, I mean, that's where all the money is. Missionary right now it's, it's an asphalt racing. So, um, why not go and try to beat those guys and try to be the best on both? You know, um, we won some big races here this year. Dirt racing, we're fortunate enough to pick up a really big asphalt race, too, and just came short of, you know, two or three other ones. I, I feel like we probably could have won almost every race that, in that asphalt car, except for my grandpa's race. So um, I want to do both,
1: right? I don't want to be
3: an underdog. So we just
1: gotta, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you you will no longer be an underdog in my book. He's never going to let you down. No, nope. Let no. Nope. Let you forget about that. The only know? time, time that the, the only time t- like that Colorado coach that. The, uh, only time that Finley will be an underdog is if he decides to get back behind the wheel of a template car again. It's been too long. Uh, so you know the cat the cat uh, that's when I'll call him an underdog again. It's been too long. So if he gets behind the wheel of a template, then maybe I'll break that word out again. Uh, you mentioned uh, the the wanting to win in both does the chad finley does the cfr stable add their own outlaw car or do you think that you'll continue to race for for the rosebrews
3: i'm gonna race for todd um we are working on some things for next year so um i'm gonna race for todd i don't know if we'll keep at our shop or not um the car i have been racing is back at todd's shop so um anything i do race next year will probably be split back and forth between todd and i's shop like i said Todd's been great, right? I mean, he just, um, you couldn't ask for a better car owner. I mean, he's such a great guy. Steve needles. and I talk, you know, a couple of times a week. So, um, I'm just surrounded by good people over there and that's what it takes. You know, when I took this deal for Todd, I, I had talked to a lot of asphalt drivers who I have pretty close relationships, you know, like Trevor Berry, And I talked a lot with Phil Bozell about what I was wanting to do and Jason Felver and all those guys I look up to. And, you know, um, it's, it's funny. They all begged me to come back and outlaw a race, and, and <laughs> now they all tell me to go back dirt race when I see him. So Adam Terry's done the same thing. He's like, "Why don't you go back dirt racing? I like you more when you do back, So um, it's been fun, man. And it, I think it's it's brought more attention to to what I can do, and it's brought more attention to my family, which is good. So it, it's been. It's been fun. I don't have one bad thing to say about what we did this year when it comes to asphalt racing, and dirt racing, and the combination of both. I'm I've been blessed. I really have. You know, I'm just uh, surrounded by really good people. So everything's worked out, and we'll just try to do better next year.
1: Last thing from me, and I'd be remiss if I didn't bring it up because it seems like every time we get ready to call Chad Finley, this topic is at the top of the board. Uh, how much kickback do you get from Hoosier Racing Tire to promote their product and? <laughs> I'm joking, obviously, uh, but that conversation is back in again now that we have yep. I-96 uh, having made their decision public on what they want to do for 2024. Uh, huge thread, and I think this is how you know that this state really doesn't know what the hell they want for late model racing because every time that this conversation gets started, people are very passionate on both sides for, for I think, valid reasons on both sides. Um, this is this conversation ever going to end or is it gonna is it gonna come will it end when the when the class is dead is my fear. What what are your thoughts about late model tires at this current state? And I know we've talked about it before, but it really feels pivotal once again.
3: It is pivotal and, and the sad thing is you know, some of the guys don't realize it. You know. Um, when all of us guys and you know, I'm gonna get in trouble saying all late model guys want Hoosiers, but the majority that don't care. And there's a few maybe budget racers that like American racers, right? But I see a lot of people comment on there who only race American racers and they say things about the Hoosier Three tire that all of us race on. Well, you know, when the track prep is good, you won't wear a tire out. And I never wore one tire out all year. Uh three. And there was many nights where I ran the same Hoosier tire. And I won races. But when your car is not balanced or your program isn't where it needs to be, you're going to wear tires out because the car is going to slide more. So that takes the edges off the tires. But at the same time, there's however many tracks and series all across the country that are all on the same tire rule. But here in Michigan, we got to be on a different one. Why that is,
1: couldn't tell you.
3: But at the end of the day, everybody seems to be on the same
1: damn thing. If it's an American well, racer. A, a, great point. I'll go out. And fall, great so. point. Well, and so that's what I was going to say, right? <laughs> well, but, but, and so I just want to be clear. It's not that, well, your last little statement there may suggest otherwise, but it's not necessarily that it says who's your tire. It's more so that Dirt Car UMP, a national sanctioning body, runs that tire. You can go to Michigan, select tracks in Michigan. Indiana, Ohio, Illinois, Tennessee, Florida, and you show up with the tires that you race in Michigan, and you can bolt them on and know that you'll be able to race in those places too. Uh, That's what I'm hearing is the main point.
3: Right. Uh (laughs) Right. I don't know. I mean, without playing too much politics, um, I
1: don't and it's know easy to, to do, I, right? It is easy to do. Yeah, I could say some things
3: that are really on my mind, but I'm not going to do that because I want a place to race next year. But
1: <laughs> with no, no,
2: and that, no, Chad. That's why after the show we have the tagline that says the views expressed on this program are not necessarily those of Horsepower Happenings. So you can say whatever you want.
3: <laughs> Let's just race. You know what I mean? Like, how come we all can't be on the same? rule let's all be on a hoosier tire because that's what the rest of the country is okay and then you bring the ump points into this okay so if tri-city rains out on friday i can go to i-96 or maybe some guys will even go to Palo. i don't know saturday same thing If it rains here i can go there and we could have a heck of a series going on in the state of michigan but there's too there's too many people that can't swallow their pride and do what's best for the you know State—it's all about personal interests and what's best for them. Well, if your personal interest was set aside, you would make way more money. But people can't swallow their pride, so now you're not going to get us seven to fifteen—you know—cars that like travel around the state because you can't swallow your pride. So, and I've seen the west side of the state, and I've seen their car counts and all these tracks and all these things, and and late model racing as a whole was down this year. And unfortunately, you know, Winston wasn't able to stay open, but it was kind of a direct result of what was going on at the other track over on the side of the state. This felt like that side of the state this year, maybe wasn't as strong as it should have been economically or whatever. I don't know. But, um, if track promoters would listen, you know, like they'll have the conversation with you and you can have 25 of call that guy. And be like, man, we need to run Hoosier tires, and the four guys or the five, however many it is, that say we need to race on other tire, they'll listen to them because they're going to be there every week, you know.
1: But I think it's interesting too because guys. you you and I have heard the same argument. My group of guys wants to run American Racers because they're budget racers and they can't afford Hoosiers, and I'm, I'm scared of the top-tier guys, of the Chad Finleys, the Travis Stemmlers, the Brandon Thurlbys, the Donamar Cooliers, the Logan Arnces coming in and cherry-picking my races. And this is just a little bit of my opinion now that does reflect maybe some of the opinion of Horsepower Happenings. Your budget guys are still not going to be able to buy as many new tires as, as your non-budget guys. So there's still going to be budget guys at your racetrack, uh, who are not going to get blown away by somebody else's ability to, to have a, a big tire bill. And also, whether it's American Racers or Hoosier Racing Tires, if Chad Finley decides he wants to cherry-pick payload, he's going to buy American Racers and cherry-pick payload, or he's just going to run his Hoosiers and cherry-pick payload. Uh, it, right. it, 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 to me, it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal, because if your core group of guys doesn't have the budget to buy brand-new Hoosier Racing Tires every week, guess what? They're just not going to buy new Hoosier racing tires. They're going to buy Finley's takeoffs or, you know, Stemmler's takeoffs or whatever the case is. I feel like it would still regulate itself the same way. And we'll still see the same group of guys at the same racetracks because of the same reasons. Just now the playbook opens up a little bit. Like you said, if crystal rains out, people can go to merit and vice versa to where everybody wins.
3: Yeah. Um, And, you know, I think, there's a few of those guys at those racetracks that just quite simply put, you know, they don't want us coming over there and racing. you know, they don't want to have to race against Brandon Throber. they don't want to have to race against Dona Marcula. They don't want to have to race against myself or Travis or Logan, you know? So if they would like, you know, if they speak up, okay, well, guess what? I'm not going to run Hoosier tires this year. And, you know, some of them own the track and that's what they do anyway. So let's just call it how it is. So, um, and then, you, you know, there's other tracks where, Okay, well, if you can't have a Hoosier tire, then why can't we have a series that travels to all these different tracks? And then when it's all said and done at the end of the year, see if your guys who didn't want to run those tires still come and run them races, because I guarantee they will, because racers are always going to race. So, you know, like Thunderbird, when Blackmere owned the track, it had 30 late miles every weekend, and all those guys that complained about tires Guess what? They're still there racing.
1: You know Chet, what I mean. Chet, so, and, Chet, is there any reason that guys couldn't show up and just run whatever the hell tire they want? I mean, could it? Well, could a UMP they, section track allow somebody to run American racers or no?
3: Not per UMP rules, they couldn't. But you know, okay, well, why, why don't we just open the tire rule up to anything that you guys want? And I, and I bet you, all them guys that won't run Hoosier tires will have Hoosier tires on their car. And I actually seen, you know pictures at test nights at like uh crystal and payload stuff all them guys had hoosier tires on so this year i sold way less takeoff tires so there's all these teams that are still buying tires to go racing it just it doesn't make any sense when you put the american racer on your car the thing rides way lower it looks like a damn pro stock and then (laughs) not to mention you know you shred your nose off because the profile of the tire and the overall height of the tire it takes like an inch and a half of, you know, ride height out of your car. It's just, it's just goofy. It's got no business being on a freaking late model. So if they wanted to, and if that's a the tire they wanted to run, well, let's just run like a quality American racer tire like they have down south. Well, then you get into the personal interest with the stamp and all this stuff. It's it's just a mess. So, I'm, I'm waiting you know, for the... Uh... Let's and just sit down and talk. We can figure it out.
1: Let's just bring McCreary and Goodyear into the conversation too, and piss everybody off.
3: Yeah, I mean, guess <laughs> we'll have to take the tires off and race on the damn wheels. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know. Maybe we'll figure it out. But then you go asphalt racing, and everybody's on the same tire. You know, like the whole outlaw division is always on 35s and 45s, and they got it figured out. So um, racing this year was down the state of Michigan as a whole when it came to dirt racing. Rather, it be the stands, the car counts. Now, I'm talking like every single week. I'm not talking about for your big shows. So, it's hard to spend money, right? So, the tracks need to find a way to follow the Rex Wheeler program to get people in the seats. And then we need to take a tire rule, and it be fully uniform, and then everybody will benefit from it. But people are going to have to swallow their pride to do that. So, hopefully it happens. We'll see next year, but... Uh, you got by Chance to hit a lot on and i buy a ticket more likely, so we'll
1: see what happens. Last thing, Rich, we got to let him go. Yeah, I know. I was going to say we could go for another
2: hour because I just feel like we we're getting starting I, to get Chad to open up a little I bit. I fired up about I was going to say, I, man, mentioned, man. I,
1: mentioned, I mentioned American yeah. Racers and Chad's like, you know what? Here Here's, we go. <laughs> Two-hour
2: show, here we come. Oh, boy. Here we go. Yeah. No, but Chad, uh, great job this year on the dirt, on the pavement. Um, man, you get you and your team and in, in, everybody that you worked with did a great job. Now you get your chance to give everybody a shout out on both cars, uh, that kind of helped you out and get you guys down the road.
3: Yeah. I'd like to thank horsepower Happening for having to wait 10 and a half months to have me on the show. Um,
1: <coughs> I tried, <Auto-vac-> but somebody <laughs> was too busy running a business. <laughs> uh, Auto value airlift, my family's company, uh,
3: Northside telling all-star performance, uh, Bill Stein shocks, Andy Durham racing engines, um, TNT Services, my buddy Matthew Smith, his realtor business, Auto like I said, um, just so everybody that helps us out over there. And then over on the one hour, we got you know uh, Todd Rosebrew, uh, Trucking, TR Timber, um, Steve Needles, everybody that helps that deal out. AP Racing and stuff. So uh, I couldn't do it without all these people, right? You know, it <laughs> it takes a village to go racing nowadays. So we've been, uh, I've been awfully lucky.
1: Chad, man, just to reflect what Rich said, congratulations, and uh, yeah, I'm sorry it took us so long, we, we missed up on one date shortly after one of your wins, and so we're glad to get you on, man, and just uh, not only on the racing, too, but to your family and your dad for, for the race and how well all that went, man, it's just been really cool to see, so good job. Yeah,
3: absolutely, guys, thanks for having me, hope you guys have a good night.
1: Always good to get a chance to catch up with Chad, and you know, he mentioned the Temple late model racing, and I needed a segue, so Rich... Let's talk a little template racing. We got a lot of it on tap this weekend. If mother nature will play nice, that's the big question mark. It all begins Friday. Jake Sierra all-stars tour kicks off the 52nd Winchester 400 weekend.
2: Yep. That'll be Friday. Uh, Jake Sierra all-stars tour will officially crown chase bird of the Jake Sierra all-stars tour champion on Friday night. Uh, the course compact touring series they'll run thirty laps. Also CRA street stocks. We did
1: this last year. Yes, for the first time,
2: the CRA street first stocks time. Late- hold on,
1: first time in several years. It, it, it several was a years. it was a return. So yep. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, late model
2: sportsman a new stars race. So basically, if they're rookies, they can run in that race, or they've not run
1: a feature, right? So a- if they have not competed at Winchester Speedway uh, this season or within the last uh, eight years. They can uh, be a part of this race. Okay. So, yeah. Yep. Now you should have said that before I did because you knew more about it than me. Unless your name is uh, unless your name is uh, is uh, Bob Varney because he did jokingly ask if he could run in this and we unjokingly <laughs> told him no. Unjokingly <laughs> <laughs> told him. Not. Some guys are, are a little bit too talented for this race, but yeah. Uh, what a cool concept, right? New stars, uh, new to Winchester Speedway, and uh, an opportunity for guys to, to get a chance to go to Victory Lane there that have never done it before.
2: Yep, And then Saturday, Zach, uh, a big busy day on Saturday, qualif- which includes uh, qualifying for the ASA Stars National Tour Winchester 400, the Run for the Gun 50 for the Midwest Modifieds Tour.
1: Yep. And then Late Model st- uh, late model Sportsman, the Vores Welding CR Late Model Sportsman, and CRA Street Stocks will run a pair of 40-lap features. And uh, added to the schedule, they replaced the uh, Roadster Racers for Crown Vicks, which I think that I think that people. I don't know about this decision. I think it's going to be a good decision, um, if we can keep it from being a demolition derby. The Crown Vic class, as itself, is very competitive. So uh, we'll have to see. Twenty-five laps the feature for the Crown Vics on Saturday, and then Sunday, Rich. It's the big dance, the fifty-second running of the Winchester Four Hundred.
2: Yep, they have a twelve-thirty autograph session. If everything goes as planned, that's the way the schedule sits right now. Of course, it's all subject to change uh, with a 2 p.m. green flag for the Winchester 400. And Zach, three days together, we get to work together. So That's we'll, right. Zach and I will be in the booth together on Friday and Saturday, uh, God willing. And then uh, on Sunday, uh, I'll move down to Pitt Road to vacate the seat next to Zach. And Zach, you'll bring in a new partner for the race.
1: That's right. And so looking forward to that. And those details will keep you in suspense on those. Uh, Until they're officially announced. Speaking of officially announced, hours before we recorded this program, the uh, official entry list for the ASA Stars National Tour was released. 26 cars strong, rich, with some more entries expected to come later this week. We could be up over 30 cars by the time Sunday rolls around. StarsNationalTour.com, CRA-Racing.com, or WinchesterINSpeedway.com for more details. Also important to note... The Lions Buccaneers game has been flexed to four twenty five PM on Sunday. So it's a it there's a chance, Rich, there's a chance that we could take in the fifty second running of the Winchester four hundred and catch the Lions go to five and one on Sunday. There's a chance. You mean listen to it on the radio on the way home? or stream it on your device, whatever you got to (laughs) do.
2: I don't think that's legal in Ohio or Michigan while you're driving home.
1: I didn't say I was going to watch while I was driving. Maybe I was just going to uh, sit in the parking lot and watch it. (laughs) So there you go. Uh, Good stuff. Appreciate Chad coming on. Uh, Things coming up this weekend also include the uh, 37th Annual Ionia Race Car Swap Meet at the Ionia County Fairgrounds. That is this Sunday from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. If you would like a booth, Write this number down. You still have time, but you better make it quick. 616-902-6134 to get a booth. And if you're going to buy or sell, or excuse me, if you're going to buy some new-to-you parts, admission is just $10 to get in and and peruse what's going on this Sunday in the Ionia County Fairgrounds. So there you go. Big show tonight. Our appreciation to Tom Rutherford and Chad Finley for giving us some time. My appreciation to Rich Frantz for putting the script together today. Uh, of course, we uh, tip our caps to Scott Mennon to pays the bills, and I'll tell you, I'm Zach Heiser where we'll talk to you same time, same place next weekend after a very busy weekend of the Winchester 400 right here on Horse Power Half.
0: You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. The views and opinions expressed in tonight's show may not directly reflect that of Horsepower Happenings. The contents of this program may not be reproduced, retransmitted, or disseminated without the express written consent of Horsepower Happenings. Follow Horsepower Happenings on Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, and iTunes to keep up on what's happening.